Why, hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Urban Health Podcast, keeping busy people healthy. I'm Stephanie Webster, a nutritional therapist in Harley Street, London, specialising in fat loss, gut health and hormone optimization for executives and entrepreneurs over 40. Now, when I coach my clients, the most difficult thing they need to change is their mindset. And I never, ever tire of interviewing individuals who have achieved extraordinary things despite the perceived odds. And I get chills listening to those amazing individuals who've received news like you've got cancer or you've got 90 days to live or your DNA says you're likely to get Alzheimer's or soldiers who lose a leg and so on. And frankly, anyone who's ever been told, no, you can't do it. It takes a certain strength of mind to sort of say, excuse me, but thank you for your opinion, but that doesn't define me. Now watch me make the most of my life. And I firmly believe it's not the cards you've been dealt with, but it's how you play the cards that matter. And today I have the overwhelming privilege of having Olympian gold medalist Mark Colborn, MBE, on the show. Mark has created a successful speaking career from presenting his key messages on change and mindset to many FTSE 250 companies Mark has kindly educated other people successfully on how to overcome their fear of change. Global audiences can learn thought-provoking elite mindset skills that empower confidence, overcome fear, and consistently impact results on the bottom line. Mark, thank you so much for coming on to the show. My pleasure, Stephanie. My pleasure. So on the 30th of August 2012, you won a silver medal and Great Britain's first medal, of the 2012 Paralympics, and on the 31st of August 2012, you won a gold medal after breaking the world record in both the qualification round and the final. How did you manage that? <laughs> well, let's just say it was not great luck, shall we? It was uh, it was great health, um, and uh, yeah, as you can imagine, a hell of a lot of work. You know, a hell of a lot of work went into uh, you know that sub sub four minute. Uh, world record, you know, to to achieve that twice in one day, as you can imagine, was uh, was yeah, was was hard work, but obviously well worth it, you know. So it's important to note for those who don't know your story that you were an athlete before your accident, and then afterwards you you won the Olympics. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your background just to get people up to speed if they don't know you? Yes, very much so. I think the first thing I wanted to uh, share with everybody is the gratitude to say thank you. You know, thank you for dialing in. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And uh, as your audience can probably tell by now, um, you know, I'm a, a Welshman through and through. I'm very proud to have these Richard Burton dulcet tones. So I think, uh, I think first and foremost is the understanding that, uh, you know, I was not born disabled. I actually became uh, disabled in 2009 uh, when I had a horrendous uh, paragliding accident over the, the beaches of South Wales above above Swansea, and uh, and I guess at that point, you know, it was uh, it, it was just such a life changing moment for me, uh, to whereby you know I genuinely thought that uh, it was actually the end of my life, uh, but lo and behold, it was uh, it was almost just the beginning of a new life. You know, so so yeah. For people listening, uh, welcome. Um, it's a privilege to obviously share my story, my mindset, and certainly my key messages and key principles on how to win with mindset. And I think for for most people who go through life and they have you know life changing accidents uh, or illnesses, sometimes it brings out the authentic person in you. And uh, and certainly in 2009, you know, that's uh, that's exactly what happened to me, even though, you know, gosh, let me think a long, long time ago, Stephanie, I played volleyball for Wales, you know, I raced triathlon, I was a keen rock climber, and I think being active and, and just having that enjoyment of sport uh, gave me the opportunity for probably most of my life to stay, you know, really fit and really healthy. And, uh, and then, like I said, in 2009, I genuinely felt, you know, while was pushing the boundaries of, of the human body and the human mind, uh, I genuinely thought that, uh, that my life had come to an end, you know, that afternoon above the Gower Peninsula, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's the Olympics and then there's the Paralympics. And there's been a shift in change in the popularity of the Paralympics over the last 10 years. How have you found that to be the case? Well, I think, you know, me personally, having gone from being, a, um, I guess, an able-bodied, active, um, you know, adult 
you know, loving sport, uh, almost taking, you know, I suppose, movement for granted as uh, as an able-bodied athlete to then move into the realms of being part and I suppose almost being privileged of the Paralympic, you know, being part of the Paralympic movement. And I guess my personal perception, you know, changed on, you know, on how people live with a disability and having had friends for many, many years, you know, who were born with disabilities. And and I guess I fully appreciated, you know, their humour, uh, certainly their outlook on life, you know, their perception to achieve, you know, whatever they could achieve. In other words, in other words, Stephanie, being the best they could be in whatever context that is, you know. And then for me personally, then in 2009 to become, you know, disabled at the age of 40, it, it was a huge shift in my mindset. But what it gave me more than anything else, I guess, was the opportunity to be my authentic self which meant nobody would judge me, you know, for having broken my back, you know, through this horrendous paragliding crash mm-hmm. that, you know, for most people would probably, it, it, they probably would have given up. But I guess having, you know, that strong determination and strong values in life and and almost the understanding and, and appreciation that life is very, very short in the grand scheme of, you know, the history and the universe that, you know, this wonderful gift we're given is, is actually very, very short indeed. So when I left hospital and found that I could cycle, albeit with a disability, the embarrassment, the fear, the apprehension, the doubt, the uncertainty, it, 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 almost, it almost fired me up to make sure that whatever I could achieve in the future, you know, as long as I gave it my best shot and I gave it 100%, then I would almost have to accept the outcome. And I guess London 2012, Stephanie, just turned up at the right time. Well, you I, know, ha- I know that I'm <laughs> that, Which is amazing. And can we just point out, what age were you when you won gold? Well, I broke my back at the age of 40. And then I won my gold medal at the London 2012 Paralympic Games at the age of 42. Which is incredible. So, which in most people's eyes, you know, most people would imagine a 42-year-old adult to probably sit back and just let the world coast by. However, I knew in my heart that London 2012 was only going to happen once, of course. However, my whole, my whole um, thought behind this was just to get to the Games. You know, I said to my very first cycling coach, a wonderful gentleman from South Wales called Neil Smith, and I said to Neil, I'd love the opportunity, you know, to maybe, just maybe, get to the Paralympics. And, you know, it was thanks to a, a wonderful chiropractor in South Wales, Dr. Ben Matthews, who, who planted the seed because he asked me if I was training for the Paralympics when I was, you know, participating in a, in a charity cycle ride one day. And I said to Dr. Matthews, oh, what, what do you mean? And he said, well, do you think, you know, do, do, are you training for the Games? And I was like, no. He said, I think you should. And it was that one moment in time, that one person who saw that, that, that you know, that ability in me that I probably didn't see. And it just lit me up. And then, like I said, my coach Neil said, you know, if you want to commit, I'll give you my, my word to help you because he trained Paralympic, you know, and world record champ, uh, world record holders and champions before. So we, we set about, you know, we went to work and Neil's words to me, I'll never forget, was, you know, just keep doing the work and just let the numbers win the argument. You know, so to to go into London as a world champion, you know, thanks to British Cycling, and then represent Paralympics GB at a home games, was almost yeah, it was almost like a childhood dream come true. You know, it really was. That is absolutely extraordinary, and it is it's interesting that you say because it's London 2012, which begs the question: if if the Olympics were happening anywhere else, would you have let a flight come in the way of you and your gold medal? Because it seems to be a very local desire that you had. That was just on your doorstep. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, for most people in that situation, obviously I didn't have time on my side. Uh-huh. You know, the, 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 the clock of time was just ticking away. And maybe, you know, maybe if, um, you know, if the games that, you know, the games of 2012 were not going to happen in London, would I have then given it 100%? Yes, I probably would have if the games were somewhere else in the world, sure. you know. Sure. Um, but I knew this was just an opportunity to not only put the, the stamp, you know, on my life 
and give me that uh, that challenge that maybe I needed to take my mind off, you know, this near fatal accident that I had. Mm-hmm. However, what it did, what it did give me, and this is something for your audience to take away, is the understanding that when you start to feed your body, you know, this this incredible trillion dollar machine that we're given, you know, pure phytonutrients, micro macronutrients, even nanonutrients. The whole body, you know, for me personally, my, my body just lit up within that period when I changed my mindset, I changed my diet, I changed my lifestyle, you know, and I continue to work, I mean, like really hard, you know, really, really hard. However, my body just reacted and it adapted and then it repaired and recovered and then just improved. So for people listening to this podcast who are now thinking, well, maybe this guy was just lucky because, you know, he was part of British Cycling and Paralympic GB and, you know, he had all the facilities and the diet and not necessarily because we, we all know that, you know, Mother Nature gave us food out of the ground and food off the tree to ensure that we could stay healthy. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I've done. I've just become a great advocate of, you know, fueling the body with, with the correct nutrients uh, that it needs. And, you know, gosh, I'm 49 and a half, nearly 50 now. And I still feel I have the energy, the repair, the recovery and, uh, and the health, you know, the health to live, you know, live out a, a really long, positive lifestyle, you know. So we can go on to that, if you like, about isogenics and how amazing their products are and how that you're growing younger if you want. Yes, most definitely. You know, in in 2017, I genuinely felt in my heart and, you know, this is is me speaking as a human being now, not as a Paralympian, but, you know, having gone through everything that I'd gone through, through my accidents, through the success of London 2012, you know, taking on a career as an international speaker, traveling the world, helping organizations, you know, with mindset, resilience, you know, overcoming adversity. I genuinely thought that I was really, really healthy, which don't get me wrong. I I really was in, in the grand scheme of things in comparison to most, you know, sort of 47, 48 year old, you know, grown men. However, I got approached by a a close friend of mine who shared with me that there was a global health and wellness company that was going to launch in Europe for the very first time in their history. And I said, okay, this is really interesting. What do they do? And my friend shared some research papers with me on, you know, the health and well-being products that, uh, that they obviously manufacture, you know, around the world. And I said, this is really interesting because a lot of these ingredients, you know, I was always looking to take on, but could never purchase because, you know, you'd have to import, you know, ashwagandha and shilaji and adaptogenic Mm -hmm. herbs from, you know, all around the world, which, you know, as you can imagine, would be, you know, very, very expensive. And, uh, And lo and behold, this incredible uh, company that was, you know, uh, launched in 2002 to actually impact world health were bringing, you know, their, their energy and performance products and their weight loss products, you know, to the UK to actually impact, you know, the obesity. And, and, and it is a, a crisis, you know, to impact the, you know, the, the obesity crisis that we have in Europe. And I said to my friend, okay, this is fantastic. What do you want from me? And he said, well, I would just like you to take a look. And now, don't get me wrong, you know, I was very, very healthy, even though I'd probably put on, you know, a couple of kilograms because I'd retired from cycling. And uh, and obviously, I weren't, you know, I certainly weren't training as much as what I maybe should have been, you know, as a retired athlete because of my lifestyle with traveling and speaking, etc. Mm-hmm. And I said to my friend, okay, you know, I trust you. I'll, you know, I'll give these systems a go because it's a very simple way to lead a healthy lifestyle. So I thought, okay, I'll just, you know, I'll purchase a 30-day system. And lo and behold, within, I don't know, probably within seven to 10 days, I just felt like a light bulb had lit up inside me because my body had started to, you know, absorb the nutrients, the protein, you know, the natural carbohydrates that are in the products. And now, you know, two and a half years on, you know, I feel genuinely, I said this to you the other day, I genuinely feel like I'm growing younger. You know, my skin is amazing, my health, my sleep patterns, my energy levels. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you know, we're very privileged now, 
you know, with isogenics to, you know, to, to be combating, you know, the, the real food, um, you know, ethos of what the human body should actually really be absorbing. Mm-hmm. You know, every day rather than, you know, unfortunately, the, the synthetic, you know, ingredients that are in a lot of food on uh, almost on every street corner, certainly in large cities, you know. So I have to say at this point that for anybody listening to this podcast, this podcast has not been sponsored or financially uh, uh, contributed by Isogenics at all. This is merely Mark sharing his story. And that's what I like about it. I mean, in my own nutritional journey, I have benefited and seen results in myself and in my clients from different products from Solgar and and Higher Nature and Lambert's and all these other, Viridian, all these other different brands. And I've never associated myself with a brand because I want to remain secular and neutral and pick and choose which products are good without necessarily endorsing the whole range. Now, I have to say also about Mark, I met him four years ago at a property event that he was speaking at uh, for us. And you have grown younger. <laughs> I, have, I have witnessed you in the flesh four years ago and you now. And the thing is, uh, athletes get approached by different nutrition companies all the time. You have rejected a lot of them all of the time because you were financially independent anyway and you're quite a principled man and you'll only go with something that feels right, that does work and you're accountable not only to yourself but to your fans and people who know you in Wales and you know, you, you, you're not going to sell things that you don't believe in and I believe in it because I've seen the change in you. I am yet to be educated on the full benefits of isogenics but I just want to make sure that nobody thinks that this is a commercial, it's merely you just, you know, gushing over how well it's worked for you as the same as I gush over products that have worked for me. Yeah, very much so. You know, this is not a sales pitch. You know, I believe that, you know, people in life uh, should, you know, I suppose should have an open mind and, you know, enjoy the, the gift of great health, you know, and, you know, there's, there's obviously products out there, you know, that work very, very well for all different types of people, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and I think for me personally, you know, I just wanted to take my health from good to great. And, you know, I want to live that uh, extended healthy life, you know, certainly into later life. And now that finally, you know, and this is not knocking any other product out there, but, but you know, isogenics have, have gone right back to the, you know, to the root of Mother Nature and only use, you know, products um, with, you know, ingredients that are of, of what they call a no compromise guarantee. So thanks to Dr. John Anderson, you know, who's the number one food formulator in the world, they have, you know, they've teamed up with, you know, Jim and Kathy Coover, who in 2002, Stephanie, just for people to know a little bit of history around Isogenics, you know, Isogenics was formed as a legacy company. You know, it was formed by, you know, three people who at the time didn't need the money. You know, these were, you know, incredible entrepreneurs, you know, multi-multi-millionaires, 10 times over, and they didn't need the money. But what they wanted to do was to impact world health. And that was the reason for me, you know, wanting to get involved and, you know, wanting to say no, you know, to every other company I've spoke to because, you know, the values weren't right or the products weren't right. So for me personally, and yeah, you know, you were spot on when you said I am a man of my values, that I wanted to ensure that the systems, you know, rather than just products, these are systems for people that want more energy, there's a system to follow with ingredients to follow that will give you that more energy or weight loss, you know, or lean muscle building. So that's what really, uh, I guess, for me, you know, fired me up that we now have a solution, you know, that can transform, you know, anybody's life into whatever body, you know, that, 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 that they are looking for, you know. So, yes, this is not a commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel very privileged, you know, to be part of this incredible, you know, legacy company that's transforming millions of lives around the world um, and obviously is helping people to, you know, obviously achieve their, their health, which is obviously very important in, uh, in any area of your life, you know. Yeah. So, okay, so we'll go on to different parts of the podcast, but for those who want the website, it's www isogenics.com that's i-s-a-g-e-n-i-x dot com isogenics.com 
So if you want to win the Olympics, eat isogenics. No, I'm joking. So it's not as simple as that. <laughs> I wish it was. I have to say, though, I like the piece in there where you actually admitted some humanity that when you stopped training, you put on two kilograms. Because I, I'm sure that the audience at some point was thinking that you're some sort of deity. It's worth noting that you did have outstanding genetics also. It was really interesting about our conversation last week is that you tested your genetics and they were better than you expected. And I tested my genetics and they were worse than I expected. <laughs> and, and the difference between the potential of the human being and the self-belief. So I always say, well, even if you have rubbish genetics, then if you believe you can achieve, maybe you should have the attitude of I'm going to defy the genetics that I've got and try and achieve that. That's normally what I have to uh, coach people on. But you actually had brilliant genetics and you had you had to sort of pleasantly surprise yourself and, and increase your self-belief. Is that right? Well, yeah, I think, you know, it's very, very important, um, you know, for people who want to achieve whatever they want to achieve in life, you know, and it's so difficult with this very, very short space of time that we're given with the gift of life, you know, if you think of 70 or 80 or 90 years of living, it's not really a lot of time to try and cram in, you know, the the incredible experiences that we can gain, you know, through life. And that was one of the, the key pillars for me for London 2012 was knowing in my heart that, you know, I didn't have much time. I literally had, gosh, I think it was just over two years you know, well, two and a half years in total, you know, to train for the biggest sporting event on the planet, whereas, you know, some athletes take, you know, maybe five, 10, 15 years to achieve that one moment in time. And I guess having been very privileged to, you know, almost have that Sir Roger Bannister moment and breaking that world record twice in one day, it just comes to show that if you continue to give 100%, you just never know what's going to happen, you know. And I get messages, you know, quite regularly, you know, through my Isogenics uh, website, you know, which is healthwithmark.com. And people say to me all the time, you know, were you sceptical? Yes, of course I was sceptical. You know, were you curious to start using these incredible products? Yes, of course. However, you have to go on the back end of the research where you get nutritional doctors, you know, isogenics you know to to go on their recommendation that these systems and these products work at the cellular level they're guaranteed with a no compromise you know mixture of ingredients from all around the world and that goes back to my point if you're going to achieve something in life whatever that is don't let anyone hold you back you know have belief in the process belief in the concept belief in yourself and then have belief in yourself doing the process. And, and that's why even now, you know, like I said to you, I'm 50 now in November. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I'm still achieving, you know, lifetime dreams of helping businesses and helping people um, and organizations to, you know, to live out their dream, you know, yeah. which is really important. Well, I was just about to say, you know, the Roger, Roger Bannister moment, as you describe it, the Paralympics must have been so exciting. Is everything else a bit dull after that? I mean, I know you get an awful lot of inspiration from your speaking engagements and from helping people with their health, but uh, how do you get that thrill again? I think, um, I think for me personally, you know, I went through that time, that sort of, gosh, probably five-year period after London 2012, all the way up to, you know, sort of, I don't know, the, the back end of 2017, just continuously, you know, I suppose enjoying that wave of euphoria from London 2012. And then I think, you know, certainly when the success of, of, of Rio, you know, when Rio 2016, you know, really kicked in and the whole country, you know, applauded all of the athletes that traveled halfway across the world and still delivered on performance, you know. So I think we, we're still on the second springboard you know, from uh, from Rio 2016. However, you know, with the excitement of Tokyo 2020, literally, you know, less than 12 less than 12 months away now, we're almost still excited about the uh, about the joy of the Paralympic athletes who can you know continue to travel around the world and uh, and perform you know on that uh, on that world stage. And I guess I still feel very very privileged. 
um, you know, to have been part of London 2012. I'm very, very proud indeed to be part of the Paralympic movement. Amazing. And was it tough physically and emotionally? And also, you had to learn about your body because of the mechanics of the hamstring and how you could still propel the pedals on the wheel. So do you want to explain a bit about the mechanics of the hamstring post-injury, but also how tough it was for you physically and emotionally in that time? Yeah, certainly. You know, and, I, and I'm very open, and you know this, um, you know, having seen me present, um, you know, at the event in London. That, Amazing. You know, w- when I became disabled, the, the, the body that I had almost went through that sort of, you know, that, I suppose, strategic change to whereby the primary muscles through breaking my back, you know, having affected, you know, the, the, the spinal cord signals that go to those muscles, the lower leg paralysis that I ended up with, you know, with, with my disability meant, and, you know, the, the listeners who are listening to this, this podcast, just think of this for one moment. Take a seat, sit on a chair, and then imagine that your feet don't work. Imagine your calf muscles don't work. Imagine your hamstrings don't work. And then your glutes, or as we know, your bum muscles don't work. And, and the projection of movement through walking, standing, sitting down, and in my case, then cycling. How would your body react if those muscles didn't work? Well, human nature you know, now shows us that we have primary muscles, and secondary muscles. And the human body naturally finds when a primary muscle doesn't work, it naturally finds the secondary muscle to do its job. So in my case, you know, with all of those muscles in the backs of my legs not working, my body just did it naturally. It found that my quads and my hip flexors, you know, were still firing because they weren't affected having broken, you know, the T12 vertebrae and had a a huge thoracic fracture. But Mother Nature provided, you know, me and and probably every person listening to this who's had a severe accident with the opportunity that those secondary muscles start to take over. And then it's just a matter of time for you to train those muscles, you know, over and over and over and thousands and thousands of miles, you know, thousands of hours to make sure that those muscles can become almost in peak condition. And that's why when I started cycling with a disability, I knew it was just a matter of time before maybe my natural, you know, genetics with a big engine, you know, and certainly I know my late dad used to say to me that I never had a stop button. (laughs) And I think he was right, Stephanie, because when you focus on that one moment in time, and you know in your heart that time is not on your side, then everything else has to be a compromise. You have to sacrifice and fall in love with compromise to make sure that when you get to that one moment in time, that you know in your heart that you've given it 100%. And then you just have to accept the outcome, you know? And I suppose, yeah, in my case, you know, the outcome was obviously the, uh, the correct one that we were looking for, you know, which was gold. Mm-hmm. which is outstanding and who was your coach and what was the last piece of advice your coach said to you before you competed <laughs> yeah this is a great story isn't it um i had a fantastic coach um when i first started cycling you know in 2010 it was a wonderful coach from south wales called neil smith and you know neil smith has been a best friend a mentor and certainly has been one of my go-to guys you know over the last sort of you know sort of eight or nine years and uh, and then when you know I was uh, accepted into British Cycling, I was given a wonderful uh, endurance coach to work with me uh, called Tom Stanton. So if uh, if Tom Stanton is listening to this podcast, then Tom, you know that I owe you you know a lot because Tom became one of my closest friends. You know, he became that uh, you know that great inspiration for me because he almost identified and knew very quickly how to get the best out of me. You know, as a I guess as a as an individual. You know, obviously being a team player. You know, within British Cycling, and uh, and Tom. You know, Tom just knew how you know how I ticked, shall we say? And I'll never forget. You know, stepping up onto the track. You know, on the 31st of August, that afternoon, I think it was about quarter past three, if I remember rightly. And, you know, the gate the gate obviously had the bike, you know, positioned. And I stepped onto the bike and 
clipped in my my cycling shoes and uh, got myself ready relaxed you know focused on the first sort of three or four seconds of the race which is to accelerate you know into the corner and i'll never forget tom you know basically putting his hand on my hand you know on the handlebars and saying to me are you ready and i said yes i'm ready and he said do this for your dad wow and how did you feel in that moment I think looking back, you know, and I presented my story now, you know, probably somewhere in the region of, my gosh, about 220 conferences now. And and I'll never forget thinking to myself, I only wish, you know, that my dad was there to see me, you know, perform in front of the rest, in, the, in front of the rest of the world. Because unfortunately, my dad passed away, you know, seven months before the Paralympics. And, and yes, you know, as a son, you know, as, as my, you know, as my dad, I guess, as my dad would say, you know, give it your best. And I, and I, I just genuinely wanted my dad to be there for him to see me perform in front of the rest of the world. But just to prove to my dad that I'd made the right decision, because, you know, literally, I think it was about, let me think probably about one year after my accident when I first started cycling my dad didn't want me you know to to start training for the Paralympics because he'd seen me go through this horrendous accident you know come out the other side you know almost have my life back albeit with a disability and I'll never forget my dad saying to me when I said to him you know and I announced to my parents that I was going to start training for London 2012 and my dad said Mark just go back to work don't be so foolish you know just forget this Olympic Paralympic dream that you've got and just go back to work and I think he knew in his heart Stephanie that when I committed 100% it was going to be a case of you're either going to see me on the podium flying the flag or you're going to see me dead on the side for trying you know so it would have been wonderful, wonderful for him to have been there. Unfortunately, we lost him, you know, through stomach cancer, and uh, and that's probably you know one of the biggest regrets that uh, that I'm going to have to live with, you know. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you support charities that uh, look into the research of cancer as part of your activities. Yeah, very much so. I think it's very important for people in life, you know, and and I experienced this. You know, I could have just continued on my journey as a speaker you know, as a philanthropist to to almost, you know, go through life and enjoy life for, for what it could give me. However, when you start to remove your mask and you start to become authentic, it's it's much more rewarding, in my opinion, to help others than to help yourself. So to support, you know, obviously Cancer Research UK, you know, there's some wonderful hospice uh, organisations in Wales and across the UK who, you know, who, who obviously are just doing amazing work, you know, to help those people that, you know, are less uh, less fortunate than us, you know. So, yeah, I feel very privileged to be, uh, to be part of uh, helping these organisations, yeah. Um, I help a lot of sick people and uh, they sometimes feel that nobody can relate to them, so they feel alone. But equally, if you've won the Olympics, that's that's a very unique thing. So do you ever feel alone that people can't relate to you on that sense or that, that they put you on a pedestal and you just want to connect on a, on a human level? Yeah, I think, uh, I think people, not for, not for the wrong reasons, but they prejudge you. You know, people prejudge you for sometimes, you know, what you do and, and certainly how you look. Um, and I think that comes back to, in my experience, you know, ensuring that whoever I meet, and whether that's individuals or organizations, that, that we as, as people go through the know, like and trust phase. So I, I ensure that people get to know me as an individual very quickly. So that prejudgment of, oh, this guy's, you know, this guy's very different because he's an Olympian. Well, hang on a second. I was not born a world or Paralympic champion. You know, I was just born, you know, a normal guy, you know, with great parents. But I was born as Margaret's boy, as I said to you in that conversation. You know, I was just born a normal guy. But what I was given was the key principles, the key messages from my late dad, and those key principles and key messages, in my opinion, are the are just the, the the jewel in the crown, the formula of winning in life across all spectrums, not just sport, 
but business, life, relationships, friendships, you know, and, and when you have that mindset and you can then share it with other people, then they start to go from the no phase into the like phase. And then they suddenly realize, well, hang on, this guy's giving me, you know, these formulas and key messages and principles that were used to win that gold medal in front of the whole world. And then it gets to the point where they actually trust you. Mm-hmm. And it's that point, it's at that one moment that the world then becomes your oyster. Not for monetary, you know, benefits or for, you know, for gain, but just those experiences that you can absorb appreciate, understand, and take with you into later life. Because, you know, as my late father once said to me, you know, just remember that one day in the future, tomorrow is going to be your last day. And when you start to realize that, you know, every day you live is one day less in your life, Mm -hmm. then, then and only then you start to understand the gift that we are given you know, is very, very short. So we should make the most of it from a health perspective, from a mindset perspective, from a humanity perspective. And that's why going back to Isogenics, you know, when I saw their vision and their mission to become the most trusted and respected company in the world, you know, through health and wellness, I just thought these values are exactly in alignment to me as a person, you know. Mm -hmm. So, so for people listening to the podcast, you know, if you want to enjoy life, then you have to ensure that you, you know, you keep that positive, kind, you know, generosity with you right through your life, you know, because I guess, you know, you should really expect back what you give out, you know, and that's really important, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it is it is about mindset and not the the not succumbing to the fear that we have, because it is about fear and fear of change. And when changes happen that we feel are out with our control, we can sometimes stay in victim mode and not want to to leave that place. And it's not that we get suicidal, but we certainly don't live life to the full. And we sort of get stuck in this middle uh, apathetic ground, this sort of sad place. And hearing you speak with such inspiration is just lifting the moods of many, and I, I, I'm, I'm sure of that. So on that note, uh, going to uh, your training and your training days, and do you have a mantra that goes on through your head that motivates you and drives you through your workouts, that, a phrase that you say to yourself to make you strong? I think it was always uh, within my DNA, um, you know, just to ensure that I've given my best. And something that I learned as a, I suppose, as a young child almost, um, you know, is that is that when you give your best, the most difficult thing to um, take on board is is actually accepting the outcome. And maybe I just experienced this at a very young age, you know, obviously growing up in South Wales, you know, almost riding my push bike like any other young child, you know, climbing trees like any other child and kicking a football and rugby ball like any other child. But I guess I just accepted, you know, this feeling of whatever the outcome was going to be, you know, win, lose or draw at a very, very young age. And I remember, you know, speaking to Professor Steve Peters, you know, the author of a wonderful book called The Chimp Paradox. Mm-hmm. And and when I joined British Cycling and, you know, I had a great conversation with Professor Steve Peters and, and his words to me was that whatever you do in life, if you give 100%, you have to, as a human being, accept the outcome because 101%, it doesn't exist. You can only give 100% of whatever that process, job, relationship, training, race, Whatever, whatever it is, you have to, as a human being, accept the outcome because the facts are you gave 100%, you know. And sometimes it is so difficult to accept, you know, that silver medal, that bronze medal, and sometimes last place, you Mm -hmm. know. But if you can look into your heart and say to yourself, not to anybody else, but to yourself, I gave 100%. I gave it my absolute everything then you have to be proud of whatever you've achieved, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. And I would say that 
sometimes if, if you're not well, you, you can get angry at life and your relationship with life has a problem because there's expectations that you have that haven't been met. And if you're happy with either outcome, then it leads to, 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 the, to the question, well, do you have any expectations? If you're happy either way, it's just a more positive outlook on life and a more empowering one. And it, it puts you back in the control seat, which puts me on to the next point on your website where it says there's a huge stigma attached to people's attitude towards change. This is your quote in, in all areas of the working environment. So let's talk about fear and change in the corporate life with specific changes that you've seen in companies and the impact of your speeches? Yeah, very much so. You know, I worked in, in the corporate environment, you know, for gosh, 10, nearly 11 years before my accident. So I I understood the pressure, you know, the KPIs, you know, the large sort of sales targets. And, you know, sometimes, you know, as an individual, I would not hit my targets, but I had to accept those outcomes because, you know, they, they were the best I could give. So to then understand, certainly after London 2012, to go back into the working environment and present, you know, and help companies with their mindset, it goes back to the very, very basics of the human um, physiology that our brains were designed and made to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. Okay? It was designed to keep us safe. So the apprehension, the fear, the doubt, the uncertainty that we go through in any process is, is natural, you know, is absolutely natural. The skill is how you control the brain, is how you control those emotions. And certainly in, you know, the research of Professor Steve Peters, how you have that relationship, you know, with that voice, with that primate voice that we all have as human beings, you know. So when you then make a choice, to, you know, this goes back to the conversation we had, when people eat unhealthy, okay, it's a choice, okay, it's a choice. So, you know, why wouldn't you pick, you know, healthy food over unhealthy food? Because, you know, and I've said this, you know, quite openly, you would never feed, you know, a a million dollar resource unhealthy food or junk food. You just wouldn't. So, so, so why, why do human beings feed themselves unhealthy food? Yeah, well, it is a self-esteem issue. It is a self-respect issue. There are standards. But also, as we mentioned last week, it's the addiction that people feel. So I can hear my audience screaming, because I'm addicted, I can't help myself, because I fancy a bit of cheese. And, you know, the cake, the cake screams my name. And also, you know, de- depression and anxiety. Nobody at three in the morning is eating spinach, saying, why did he leave me? It's always ice cream or some sort of some sort of pizza or something, something comforting. So that that's the logical reason, but we're not logical creatures. And the whole, the, the, we're emotional creatures. And be, becoming more emotionally resilient can help us make healthier decisions more frequently, effortlessly. And that is something that you really instill in your audiences. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, 100%. Um... You know, it, it just comes back to the choice, you know, the choice mm-hmm. of feeling sorry for yourself. So why would you, you know, reach for the cheese or the ice cream or the pizza? Okay, why would you? Because the voice in your head, which is, you know, five times stronger than, than the human voice, you know, if you override that, and this is, you know, a mantra, going back to your question, you know, one of my mantras that, you know, Professor Steve Peters um, you know, teachers, you know, that uh, when you when you ask yourself, do I want whatever, you know, do I want this alcohol? Well, maybe, but is it healthy for me? Probably not. Do I want this really unhealthy plate full of food? Well, not really, because, you know, I shouldn't be eating it because it is unhealthy. So by answering your own question, you then have that almost break of, um, of certainty, in your brain that will allow you then to lead that healthy lifestyle. So in other words, you you silence the chimp, you know, which is obviously the voice that we all carry around with us, you know. And it is difficult. Don't get me wrong, it's it's not easy. But I guess, you know, through my experience, you know, falling in love with compromise and making sacrifice your friend, then and only then, you know, can you achieve amazing 
you know, things in life and, you know, live a long, healthy life. Well, it's funny you say about the voice in your head, uh, the chimp voice being five times stronger than, than your uh, prefrontal cortex, best version of yourself voice. Funnily enough, I was with somebody on Saturday and he described it as a stadium of people are asking me to, are screaming for me to eat the rubbish. And there's one little voice saying, please don't do this <laughs> somewhere in, on one chip. But he said, I can't hear him very well. And we identified the speed of the decision making. So if he's thinking of going to the gym or if he's thinking of making himself a salad, it's a very slow, methodical, thought out process. And yet when he's thinking of reaching for something sugary or fatty or something that's unhealthy, it, it, it's a really short, it goes thought, decision, action that would make the four minute mile look like a marathon. So it's like really quick, sharp. So it's creating that distance and having that dialogue that you've just demonstrated. Do I want this? No. Just taking a moment to question your actions, to break these unconscious decisions that you're making conscious by taking just as a moment and saying, what am I doing? Why? What am I eating this for? What am I really trying to resolve? Why am I escaping my emotions with food? What, what, why don't I? And just understanding what are the reasons behind the decisions that you're making. It's not just about the quality of the ingredients that you ingest. It's also about the relationship that you have with that food. And on that note, I'd like to read uh, a, a wonderful testimonial from one of the companies that you spoke for. Is that okay with you? Yes, that's fine. Yes, of course. So here's what one of your clients said about you. The mindset of a great leader in any organization is one that takes many years of nurturing and many hours of living in the zone. And having had the pleasure of watching Mark Colburn pre present on change at my staff annual awards was a true reflection on what can be achieved when you set your goals high. Mark made my special guest feel so welcome with his true wisdom and respectable wit. And that's from GE Aviation, Lorenzo Simonelli on your website. And the, I, I have to say that when you spoke at the event four years ago, it was outstanding and people still talk about it since. So if anyone is listening uh, in the audience, you some of you are entrepreneurs and you have different functions. Mark is an amazing public speaker. His website is markcolburn.com. If you're interested in isogenics, then markcolborn.isogenics.com. And he also has this website called yourhealthcheck.org.uk, which is a nice questionnaire that you can go through to give yourself uh, a scorecard on your health as it is just now. And you're also doing some work with Action Coach and some business mentoring. Have I covered everything? Yes, and I think this goes back to you know, the, the very beginning of my childhood. And growing up in South Wales, being part of, you know, an incredible environment where people genuinely went out of their way to help other people. And I ne I'll never forget speaking to my parents about a, an incredible gentleman that, unfortunately, I never got to meet, who unfortunately passed away, you know, I think it was approximately 10 or 11 years before I was born, which is the gentleman that transformed the NHS which is an incredible gentleman called Aniron Bevan. So for people listening to this podcast, maybe just Google Aniron Bevan NHS, because through this gentleman's vision to transform the NHS into the service that we now know today, how many lives has this gentleman transformed and helped over the last, you know, sort of 50 odd years since the NHS obviously, you know, was, uh, you know, was, was, I suppose, designed and, and when I spoke for the NHS a few years ago, Stephanie, I found two things. First of all, that Aniron Devon was from my hometown of Tredegar in South Wales, which I thought was just incredible. Wow. You know, such a heart, such a heartfelt feeling to know that you know this amazing bloke was part of the local community. However, what really sent my hairs on my neck, you know, literally it was spine tingling, was that. And Nairon Bevan was actually a Scorpio, the same as me. Same as me. Now, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought to myself, that is incredible. There must be something running through the water, you know, in Fadiga, <laughs> in South Wales, because I've always enjoyed helping other people. Okay. Yeah. And back, oh gosh, I think it was 2014, I understood the power of the internet. Okay. I understood that it was okay 
to be associated with brands, you know, very much like yourself, that you believe will work for, for all different types of people, okay? However, what I've certainly found in the last, you know, sort of maybe three or four years is that different people want different, um, I suppose, different parts of their life to be associated with the elite. So, you know, my uh, proviso was obviously health, which is why I've aligned myself with isogenics, you know, certainly why I've aligned myself with speaking professionally to help other people. And certainly now with Action Coach, which is the number one business coaching company in the world. And what I wanted to do with Action Coach was to help business owners in the UK to enjoy the, the luxury of using systems, proven systems, to improve their businesses so they could work less and earn more. Or in sometimes, you know, in some people's cases, the business actually works with or without them. And that's that's the perfect opportunity for entrepreneurs and business owners, you know, to to grow a commercial profitable enterprise that works with or without them. Which is why, you know, like I said to you, I've taken on this opportunity as a business coach alongside my speaking business, alongside my isogenics business to make sure that when I get to the end of my life, and this is a great point maybe to end on, that I know when, unfortunately, I do pass away, that on my headstone will be written, I know I made a difference, mm-hmm. you know, and that's important to leave this world almost in a better place than when I found it. You know, and that may sound a little bit cliche, but I know that I can get to the end of my life knowing I've given it 100% and I can, you know, pass away, you know, with no regrets, you know, which is really important to me. Well, you have made a difference and you continue to do so. And I really admire you for that. And I look forward to working with you and Isogenics to understand more about the products that you offer to see how they are of benefit to to me, my clients and, and, and everyone. I'm always looking to learn. And uh, the website for the Action Coach is actioncoach.co.uk and you can find Mark Colburn on there. Mark, thank you so, so much for coming onto the show. You've been absolutely outstanding. If I had a gold medal, I'll give it to you now. (laughs) Yes, well, thank you very much, Stephanie. It's a pleasure, obviously, working with you and obviously I look forward to helping you and your clients, you know, in the near future to enjoy great health so they can achieve great things, you know. So, uh, so yeah, it's just a, a big thank you from me and obviously thanks to all the people who are obviously listening to this podcast in the future. Thank you. And thank you to everybody listening in the audience. This has been the Urban Health Podcast.